Hi, I'm Angie Wisdom, and welcome to my podcast, Sharing Wisdom. I'm an author and a keynote speaker and a master certified coach. And for the past 25 years, I've sat across the table from fascinating people, helping them break through their obstacles to achieve success in their life and business. The one thing I've learned and believe to this day is that you are capable capable of change, capable of greatness, capable of anything you're willing to get serious about. And I want to help you get there. That's why I'm sharing all my wisdom and interviewing some of the most successful business leaders and athletes in the world so they can share their wisdom too. So get present and ready to learn. Welcome to Sharing Wisdom. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sharing Wisdom. Today, you all, we're talking about money, one of my favorite subjects. We're going to talk about building wealth and budgeting but it's not what you think. Don't run for the hills because you heard me say budgeting. My guest, Lisa Chastain, who is a money coach and author and a speaker, she has a whole different philosophy on budgeting. She actually says you shouldn't be budgeting to build wealth. So stick around and listen up to what she has to say. Well, I'm excited to have you here today, Lisa. Um, as we were kind of talking offline, so many people, especially my clients, they make a great deal of money and they definitely don't budget, but there needs to be some awareness of where the money is going. So we're making smart financial decisions. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious. I want to jump right in here to this whole like stop budgeting advice that you're giving. Tell me a little bit about that. It's for it's that's it's exactly that reason. It's for someone who has money. They know they have money. They don't want to do the drastic stuff. And honestly, we'll talk about money personalities. They're not necessarily designed to be that analytical necessarily with their money anyway. Mm -hmm. But the budget has been the only option given primarily is like, this is what you have to do with your money. You've got to budget your money. And having worked with hundreds and hundreds of clients, I realized that it's not necessary For so many of us, actually, I don't think it's necessary at all. And if you want to know that you're taking the right steps with your money, it's actually not a budget that's going to teach you how to do those things. Mm. So I'll, you know, I'll I'll lean into why, but that's originally why I started this conversation to say, hey, let's just ditch the idea that you have to budget altogether. What if you could be great with money? And what if you could have everything it is that you say you want in life? And you don't ever have to touch a budget ever again. What would that feel like? What would that be like? And that's, that's where I want to lean in today. I love it. I think probably a lot of people are raising their hands right now because when you throw the word budget out there, most people like run for the heels. They don't even, they don't know how to create the budget. They don't want to work within the budget. It, It, I think it's just challenging for people. And and I come from the financial industry. My earliest days were working at a bank. And then I was a financial counselor before I was a financial advisor. And it was like, you know, I I go back to like Dave Ramsey, old like budgeting habits of putting this much money in each envelope for people who really needed to like understand how much money do you have to spend on what and where should it be going? Mm -hmm. So this is kind of blowing my mind a little bit on getting into a space that people can embrace better money habits and choices, but without having to have this budget. Agreed. So what brought you to this in the first place? Similar background. I was never in the banking industry. I was a financial advisor, which is fun Mm -hmm. to know that you were a financial advisor at one point. And I was at a crossroads and, um, for, and it's really not just for women in the finance industry, but it's actually in the financial space in general, it's very sink or swim. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you experienced that, but I did. And I was sinking. Mm. So this is 2016. I had blown through my life savings trying to Mm. start a business. 
I'd never been around money. My dad's, I grew up in a blue collared family. So being in the world of money was very uncomfortable for me. We can talk about mm -hmm. mindset. I talk a lot about that in my world too. I was a fish out of water and I didn't know how to make money in the industry. And so I was at a crossroads in 2016. I knew if I didn't make a move that I was, I was, I mean, my biggest fear was that I was going to be homeless. I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm. So I shifted gears. I hired a coach and I realized that I could actually be a money coach. And then I left the industry formally in 2016 to become a money coach. So that's how I got started learning about new ways of being with money and also the value of working on our mindset financially. Cause that's not that at that time even wasn't a conversation that was being had in the finance industry is let's talk about money mindset and let's talk about new ways of being with money. Yeah, so true. It's interesting. Um, you say you were kind of in that sink or swim, you know, and, and I know that's not the topic of our conversation, but you do touch on mindset there, which I think is so important because even that sink or swim mentality, you know, there was mindset in there that really made you have to make this decision and go in a totally different direction. And it sounds like now, which I say all the time to people is like, when you start sharing what you know, it's usually because you've lived through that experience mm -hmm. and you have your real life story to go, here's what's right and here's what's wrong and here's how mm -hmm. I can help you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, so when you made that jump then, and you decided that you could really help people around this money story, what was kind of the big takeaway for you in that moment that had you really redefining that relationship with money? Well, for me, I realized that in order for me to have what it is that I said I wanted, which mm -hmm. was more money, the reason I got into the finance industry, two reasons, I wanted unlimited earning potential. And I wanted to have my own business and I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. So I guess three reasons. Sure. And I wasn't doing that as a financial advisor. And then when I realized that I could do that as a coach, I mm -hmm. had to stretch way outside of my comfort zone, way outside my comfort zone. And it required me to go after the kind of money that I really wanted. So in a mm -hmm. very short amount of time, by stretching outside of my comfort zone, by implementing systems that I use today in my business and I teach my clients to break through my own limiting beliefs, my own limiting decisions about myself and what I was capable of, um, that, that journey that catapulted me into where I am today, I earned six figures and I haven't looked back, but I'd never yeah. done that before. And so I had all these limiting beliefs and decisions that I made about myself about why that wasn't possible. And I had to learn how to break through those to get to the other side of it. And still today, right? There's always another level, another mindset, another belief to break through to get to the next level. So I've learned how to do yeah. that for myself. And then I really didn't, I really didn't know my money. Mm -hmm, I really didn't. Mm -hmm. And once I got to know my money in a very simple way and realized that it could be simple, I didn't have to have a budget to be successful financially. That's where I was like, other people need to know this stuff. Other people need right. to do this stuff. Yeah, it's so true. And I'm glad you're bringing that message. It's fascinating to me though, how your circumstances and for anybody, right? Somebody can have a very similar upbringing and environment, but have a totally different money story in a sense. Yes. You know, I like you also grew up in, in very middle class. Um, my parents didn't have retirement. They didn't have savings. My mother worked several jobs, you know, just, it was always making enough money to pay the bills that we had. Mm -hmm. And to me that that sent me into the banking sector at 16 when I would leave school early in a work share program. So I could work in a bank because that I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not, 
I will have retirement money. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to work three jobs and it, it kind of forms in your whole money story. So it's interesting that we all have a money story. And I think people don't often dig into that yeah. first of all, to really understand. So I want to help people get to that place first. When you started to work on the mindset and your money story, what, how did you do that? Like, what could somebody listening right now do to help unlock that money story for themselves? Wow. One of, one of the most powerful experiences I had with my coach, Robin Crane, who's still one of my best friends today, is she teaches the five money personalities. Mm -hmm. And there, with the five money personalities, the one that is most predominant in the budgeting conversation is what we call the cheap chip. She lets me teach these money types now because they're so fun and so relevant. Uh -huh. With the cheap chip, they, my parents are cheap chips. Mm. They can be penny pinchers, more Warren Buffett style in their philosophy. Don't buy, buy things on value. You don't need a new car. Very Dave Ramsey mm, philosophy. Yes. Um, yeah. And for some people, that's who they are authentically. Mm -hmm. Not a bad thing when it comes to money. They can be penny pinchers. They like to do the thrift store, thrift shopping. My sister, who's definitely a cheap chip, wears the same clothes that she had in high school and she's proud of it. <laughs> okay. So there's not bad things about a cheap chip, but if you're not a cheap chip, that will, that could rub you the wrong way. And for mm. me, I felt like I was wearing someone else's money mindset. Mm. And I felt trapped. So the very first thing that someone can do is realize, first and foremost, that there isn't one right way to do money. And because of who we are uniquely, we have so many unique skill sets. We can work a money program and a, a money system to our strengths. And we don't have to fit into the box of a budget. Mm. Some people Got need it. that. Some people want that. And definitely not everybody does. And a lot of entrepreneurs will never be that way because they're born to dream big and think big and think outside the box. They don't, I mean, mm. I know, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so the thought of a budget that someone else came up with and told me I had to manage my money that way just wasn't going to happen. So even though I can appreciate my parents' values and the reasons that they are the way they are with money, when I learned that I'm a delusional Delilah, I'm a big mm -hmm. dreamer, I'm a big thinker, it gave me permission to take the risk financially and otherwise that I needed to take to live my own life and to build my dreams. Mm -hmm. And there's five personalities, not just two. So get to know who you are with money and then let's structure some systems around who you are authentically that can help you make decisions. Got it. Okay. So delusional Delilah, love that. And the first thing I think is like grand and big and my mind goes, okay, well, we got to have some boundaries here. Sure. Like there's got to be some guardrails in place or, yes. you know, you're all over the place. So let's jump into it. Um, talk to me about your system, your budget list system and what people need to know about that. It's a simple framework. So I'm not advocating for you to not track your money and not mm -hmm. be in relationship with your money. And the, for me, the, the alternative to budgeting is creating accounts and to get, to get started. So we'll take your business uh, and we'll put it to the side for a second because we all have personal lives to manage. Mm -hmm. 
instead of budgeting, which can feel somewhat outside of your life because it's in a, mm-hmm. in a budgeting app or you're using a budgeting worksheet, but maybe you never have the framework or construct to actually make decisions in the moment. And so what I'm saying is ditch the budget and just create three accounts. Mm-hmm. Have an operating okay. account. Very one account that you deposit money into. If any, if you've read, if anybody's read um, Profit First, it's a similar mm-hmm. philosophy. Have an account that you operate out of. Have a spending account. This is a game changer for people. Give yourself permission to spend. Put money into a spending account, and then put money into a savings account. Mm-hmm. If you learned how to know what you're making, spending, and keeping, and you can put money into different buckets, it changes and rewires the way you see your money. And it's actually a lot easier for you to have a handle on what's happening on a daily basis with your money, because most Mm -hmm. Americans are still checking and banking out of one account and running their debit card out of that account. Mm -hmm. And it's hurting them. Gotcha. Okay. So separating into those buckets, which I'm a big believer in, and I I tend to kind of have more buckets, right? And I'm sure people do once you're like, okay, well, here's this savings and this retirement and investments and all of that. But when you talk about putting money into say that spending account, because I think that's where everyone kind of goes to, because that's that's the problem. People tend to overspend. Where or how do you determine what is that spending? Isn't that itself a budget? You could you could argue that it's a budget and language is so important. Okay. so the language that we use for some people, they have that visceral or negative reaction to the actual word budget. Mm -hmm. So what Mm -hmm. I like to do is reframe it and say that this is your spending account. You're giving yourself money to spend. You're giving yourself permission to spend. Got it. And I teach a simple exercise of of really going back and looking at the last 90 days. So if you want to hit a financial reset button before you move forward or try to change anything, go back and audit the last 90 days Mm -hmm. and take a look and see after your bills were paid, how much money you had left over. Mm. Because we we tend to jumble all of our um, all of our thoughts and emotions and ideas of our money into one pool. So let's separate mm-hmm. it out. There's the money that you use to pay your bills and then what's left over. If in a dual household income or even a six figure income, there is money left over. Sure. After your bills are paid, you just don't feel like that. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. that way. So if you can see, I have an extra $2,000 or $3,000, it's like, whoa, that's awesome. Now let's take some of that weekly and move it into a spending account. You're not moving it into a groceries account and a gas fund and like that envelope system. It's just, Mm -hmm. then you have choices. Then you have choices that you get to decide every single week, how you're going to spend that money. And I believe that most people want to feel like they have choices. Mm hmm. Absolutely. So how do you define that? Because my mind goes to people automatically thinking, well, my bills include, say, that credit card, which has everything that I just spent mm-hmm. <laughs> right on mm-hmm. on all those extra things. Like people think that their bills include eating out and and purchases. So do you differentiate between like what the bills are versus what spending is? Absolutely. To start, your bills are those things that if you don't pay them, there's a negative mm-hmm. consequence. OK, so your electricity bill. 
mm-hmm. your gas bill, your mortgage or rent payment, your car payment, and even your credit card minimum, I would say goes into that category, but just the minimum payment. Gotcha. Okay. Cause if you don't pay the minimum, there's a consequence that goes with that. Right. Right. right? The rest of that money is what we would call variable or dis- discretionary. Mm-hmm. And where the, I believe that, and I've seen this happen over and over again with my clients, regardless of how much money they make, when they see that money as a choice, they start to feel more freedom and they can start to take control and, uh, you know, in a life coaching perspective, feel more in control of the life that they're living. It becomes more Mm -hmm. conscious Mm -hmm. and more purposeful than seeing it as a have to. I have to spend money on groceries. Night. You don't technically have to spend money on groceries. Mm-hmm. If you want to eat, you do, but you don't <laughs> have to eat, right? <laughs> How you do that, where you do that. Depends on what you value you. in life, right? You know? <laughs> You can, you can get a garden. I mean, there's, anyway, right. there's we open up to possibility again. Yes. And, um, and I think that's really important. And so do you have a formula or after you get through that, like, here's the bills that if I don't pay, we'll have consequences. Mm -hmm. Then with what's left over, do you say, okay, well, this is, you feed your savings first, you feed your spending first, or what's the formula for that? Spending always have, you always prioritize spending first. Mm. Always. Because... Now my nerves are like in overdrive right now as you say that. (laughs) I'm well, like, truth, no, no, no. <laughs> you, well, you, let's, let's talk about someone who doesn't budget, who doesn't really feel like they know their money. Mm-hmm. Um, when you tell someone like a spendthrift, which is another money type, when you okay. tell a spendthrift that they can't spend, you've lost them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they're going to spend money. By taking that rear view mirror approach and looking back at the last 90 days, we start to see the trend of what you're actually spending in different categories. Mm-hmm. And then you get to choose how much you're going to allocate into your spending account. And then you know what you have left to save. Okay. But we have to be honest and realistic with ourselves to know what we're actually spending first and what we want to spend. That's where our value system is all tied up in our spending account and then in the way that we spend our money and prioritize our money. So first we have to create the freedom that you can spend money mm-hmm. and then the confidence that you'll be able to save money and hold on to money. Okay. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here a yes. little bit in the sense of like, what, what about the people who are like, well, this, I need all this for spending mm-hmm. Isn't and that they a don't. Choice? And it is, it is a choice. Absolutely. But you know, where is the shift then to, because you probably don't believe in it either, right? Like we should save if you want kind of financial stability and oh, I totally in believe that. future. Yes. Right. So we're on that same page, but helping people break through to realize that, you know, there is a savings component of it. And if that choice is just, well, I need all this to spend or I don't have any money, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of contradicts that pay yourself first you know, save for yourself first. So Mm -hmm. where's the shift there for them? That's where the mindset coaching comes into play. Okay. And that's where someone, anyone listening to this, you, the listener listening to this, where you get to have an honest, open, authentic, loving conversation with yourself about your Mm -hmm. priorities. Me telling you that you have to save isn't going to 
make you save. Mm. But, but asking the questions of what is saving, what will savings do for me and why is it important over the other choices I'm making, then that gets to be your decision. And there are limiting mm. decisions about yourself for women primarily that there are beliefs that we have about ourselves that we're not worthy. And until we break through those mindset conversations, our money choices won't really flow into the direction that we want them to go, whether it's making more money, where it's, whether it's saving more money. So by me telling you, you should save first. If you're not doing that, that also creates more shame and more guilt. Mm. And we don't need any more of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's look at what you're spending. Let's realign your spending choices. And over time, we can save more if that's something that you say you value, not just because a financial expert is telling you that it's important. Got it. Well, and as you say values, I mean, that's a big piece of it for me. When people look at what they value, oftentimes you know, 90% of the time financial freedom is in there. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. It's this freedom to be able to choose and spend, but it's yes. also this ability to have enough money so that you don't have to work so that you can, you know, have your own life and have time freedom away from, you know, sure. an office, a nine to five or something like that. So I guess approaching it from that perspective even gives you that space. Like maybe you want to spend some of your money on that value, which is really your savings or your investing right. aspect. Right. And savings and investing is a loaded conversation. Mm-hmm. So saving just for the sake of saving for, for so many of my clients, they don't fully understand how to even make their money work for them. Mm -hmm. We've all mastered the art of spending money. Yes. So that's easy. from, you know, from the, from the place of spend first, it's mm -hmm. created an empowering conversation around the spending that you're doing so that you can release the same, the shame and guilt around the spending that you're doing. So then you can save more. Hmm. when you know what that savings is actually going to do for you. And let's mm -hmm. educate you and, and have conscious conversations with other financial experts so that you know what to do with $50 a month or $100 a month or $1,000 a month. Sure. And then there's the whole debt conversation, which we haven't even talked about, which is, you know, then we got to handle the debt. Right, right. So it's like shining a light, almost this moment of truth and honesty that's going to give you that real awareness and the opportunities mm -hmm. to make better choices. Why am I making this choice? How is this choice yeah. valuable to me? Let's bring it out of the unconscious mind and break through your limiting decisions and beliefs. And that's where the real transformation happens. But your willingness to see your money first and to know that you can spend diffuses the conversation, mm. diffuses, like takes the charged energy out of it because you already know you're not saving or maybe you, mm -hmm. you believe you're not saving enough. But do we know what the real problem is? Because mm -hmm. we can't just say it's your spending because there's so many pieces and layers to the spending that you're doing. And, and that's hard in itself. I mean, no, never have I ever seen an area where the statement ignorance is bliss yes. <laughs> is more true for people, right? Like yes. you, people don't typically don't want to dive in and know that like the truth feels painful to know, Oh my gosh, I've spent this much on clothing or this much on eating out, whatever mm. it may be, that can be a hard pill to swallow, but it really starts with that awareness and it sounds like getting rid of the guilt and the shame for it and just 
at least being able to look at the real facts. That's it. And who and, and says who? Right. Like spending mm-hmm. money on a certain thing. That's a values conversation. My husband is a mm-hmm. good example of this. He's a spendthrift. Spendthrifts are the opposite of cheap chips. Yes. Spendthrifts go through money and, you know, insur- in the insurance industry, there's a spendthrift clause and in insurance policies for this reason. Uh-huh. That there's someone who money flows freely in and out. They like the 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 activity of the money and the free flowingness of the money. They can be impulsive. If you're a spendthrift, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, but my husband's a spendthrift and that's never going to change about him. Mm -hmm. He he loves the way he is with money. It's actually really helpful for me because I was raised as a cheap chip. So when Uh I need to make a big purchase, I give him my credit card. (laughs) I'm like, go for it, babe. (laughs) (laughs) Spending is easy for him. Every week he gets money in his account. He teases me now, but it's actually opened up a lot of freedom for him. Every week he gets $200 in his account. No questions. No, no, I don't care about what it is. Yeah. Everything else is allocated and he buys his Dixon shirts and he loves them and he can mm-hmm. buy as many as he wants and he never goes past that $200 agreement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not judging him for how he's spending his money. I really don't care because there's a plan for it. Sure, sure. That's spending freedom. So do you really believe, though, that so those personalities can't change, whether you're the spendthrift or the cheap chip, that it is, that is set in stone and no changing that? I think that it, it um, if you are not operating from a place of authenticity, uh-huh. it'll shift. Gotcha. Okay. So an example is I have a, a client who's now a coach for me, Lexi. When I first met her, she was showing up and testing as a spendthrift mm-hmm. because she didn't have a plan. She didn't have any clarity of her money. And she was actually spending, uh, it, it ended up when we did our first exercise together, she was negative $7,000 a month. Mm. So she was testing as a spendthrift, but in authentic conversation, she's a cheap chip. Hmm. So when, when she got honest about her values and her strengths, and we set up systems that helped her know her money, she started testing as a cheap chip. So when we're not mm-hmm. living authentically, we can be somewhere that may not be authentically us. Yeah. But I do believe just like with the disc profile and other personality assessments, mm-hmm. we are who we are. And like my husband has no interest in not being a spendthrift. It love mm-hmm. he, he does he likes that about him. So why would we try to change it? Yeah, interesting. Do you think that the mindset correlates to that then? Because to me, that's that's very abundance mindset. Like right, yes. like and and I joke with my husband. Oh, my husband jokes with me. Actually, he's like, whatever, no worries. We'll just make more money. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's just this. You know, I'll just exactly hit another it. button and make some more money. And you know, there's an abundance mindset to that, and a sense that like you trust yourself, yourself. You know that you will continue to be able to produce more money, and therefore you don't have that fear and scarcity around it is, are those mindsets tied to those personality types specifically? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my husband to the T. He just has this belief in himself Yeah, and it always, you'll hear him say, it's always going to work out. It'll, and I'm like, you know, my nervous system is like, but it's not going to work out. (laughs) But that's actually really helpful for me that I can tap into his abundant mindset and not stress about money all the time. And do you feel like those mindsets, like, encompass all of that person's life and not just money? Like, is he very abundant in 
everything and confident and it'll all work out versus you tend to lean on that, maybe a little bit more of a warrior and yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yep. And when it, um, the disc profile correlates pretty closely to these money types. If you test Mm. a certain place, you're going to show up and then there's strengths playing to your strengths and how you manage money best or how you will manage money best. And there's also preferences, communication preferences and styles. It all folds into who you're being with your money. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Love all that. There's so much great awareness there for people to be able to gain in understanding. I, I love personality assessments and, and use them for my clients, but from a money perspective, mm-hmm. um, I don't. And I think that's can be really helpful for people because awareness is key. Starting there for is sure. everything. For sure. So what do you find are like the major kind of limiting beliefs or, you know, money mindsets that get in the way for people? I guess pros and cons. Mm -hmm. So using the five money types as an example, when you hear someone say it'll always work out, are they just blind to their money problems? Mm -hmm. Right. Are they just avoiding problems? And they're using that as a a way of getting out of having the hard conversations. So that's a mindset. That's a belief that it'll always work out. So we have to challenge where that belief is coming from Mm. or someone who does think and feel abundantly. Maybe they grew up and some of my spendthrifts, this is the case. They grew up in a very abundant household Mm -hmm. and they grew up where money was always abundant. Whether they realized their parents were spending on credit cards like crazy or not, they always felt like it will always work out. Money will always Mm -hmm. be there. So that could be a limiting conversation for, for some of us. On the other side of that, uh, a belief that shows up a lot with my clients is there will never be enough. Mm-hmm. which can easily translate to I'm not enough or someone who grew up in a scarcity environment where they lived off of food stamps or sometimes in food scarcity, they didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. They can get trapped because our beliefs are instilled in us before the age of seven. They can get trapped in that experience of living that seven year old pattern over and over mm-hmm, and over again. Sure. And so those mindset beliefs are important. We break break through and rewire where those beliefs came from and write a new script about ourselves if those are not helping us create the results that we want. So I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. Women, we have that. A lot of women have that conversation. Men Mm -hmm. too, but um, I won't ever have enough. There will always be enough, maybe perhaps depending on the person. So yeah, paying attention to your language. So a good exercise would be for someone, if you're in a conversation with someone about money, pay attention to your words and your language, because that will help you unlock what your actual mindset is. Mm. And it's interesting to me too, how like some people have the exact same specific fear. Like, I can't tell you how common it is for people to say, well, the fear of being homeless, like Mm -hmm. you said, if I don't do something. And I think for some people that thought never, ever, ever comes into the picture like that. We have gone through difficult times. I have worked three jobs at one time. Like I can relate to all of that, but I've never had that fear of being homeless because in my mind, I just go, I'll get another job. I'll get, I'll go to McDonald's. I'll do anything like that is not ever going to be an issue versus Mm -hmm. I can name a dozen people whose worst fear that I've talked to is like, I just, I don't want to be on the streets. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? 
experience. Yeah. Experience and imprinting. So most psychologists, and I, I'm an NLP practitioner, so this is a part of the work that, that I do in my world too. Mm-hmm. Most, most psychologists believe that our beliefs are, are formed before the age of seven. Mm-hmm. And regardless of actually what was happening around us, and in particular with money, who was talking to, who talks to a six-year-old consciously about money? Not many people. There are some that do, right. not many. Um, <laughs> and especially in our generation, not yes. many, right? It was for up sure. to us to make up the meaning of circumstances. Mm. And if it, if it was potentially for someone, and I have had women in my, in my audiences who've raised their hand and said that they have been homeless before that I get, right. right? You've had a real life experience with that or your family or something like that. But from someone who really hasn't experienced that, it could be that mind they goes heard that. It could be that they heard that at a young age, that that was a fear of someone else's that imprinted on them. It could be that they saw it on TV and that was a fear Mm -hmm. that imprinted them at a young age. Our brain's pretty tricky. Yeah, for sure. So even if we we ourselves didn't experience, what was the conversation like at the dinner table? For us, it was about being grateful because they're starving children in Africa. Right. right. <laughs> Finish your food. You know? That's right. Yes, that's right. And I have an Italian mom. So if I didn't finish my meal, I was going to be starving. So our brains are mm-hmm. tricky that way. They imprint on us and we may not even totally be aware of consciously where that is coming from, which is why we want to tap into our language. Yeah, that is, is very, very true. And I'm like running through conversations even as a parent and thinking back to my parents and the things that they say that stick with you, right? Like, yes, you know, you're fortunate to have food and they're starving kids in Africa, whatever it may be. And, and even the ones that are like, you know, what do you think money grows on trees? Yeah. We're, we're going to be homeless if we keep spending the way that we do. There's all sorts of phrases that really can have a powerful impact on us that you don't think about at the time, but you can no. recollect a memory from 40 years ago and go, I remember when my mom or dad used to say that to me. That's right. So let's talk about action and shifting here for the people that are going, oh my gosh, I've been needing this in my life. Like, how do I get started? What do I do here to start shifting my money story and start paying attention? Where do you lead them? On the mindset side, I would say doing a simple exercise, like uh, journaling about your own money beliefs. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're writing about a belief, you're paying attention to what you're saying, it, we're, we're so smart and capable of going, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I was running that pattern. Mm-hmm. So by acknowledging your own money beliefs, you have the ability to work through the emotion of that. You also have the ability to rewire it. So a belief that women will have men too, is I'm not good with money. Mm-hmm. Well, where did you make, where, when did you decide that? Right. And if that's true, what do you want instead? So by mm-hmm. just listing out your limiting beliefs, you can quickly reframe that. So if, if you believe or have a belief that you're not I'm not good at money. What's a new belief that you can start embracing about? I have possibility or mm-hmm. I'm capable of managing my money successfully. So when you catch yourself, you can retrain your brain. You can take new action. The other thing is that everyone has a relationship with money. Everyone has 
the ability to manage their money in a new way. So if you don't really like what's going on right now, and you're definitely not going to use a budget, what I would invite you to do instead is ask yourself, what do I make, spend, and keep? And have mm-hmm. the courage to look at it. If you just started tracking your money, and I have different worksheets and exercises that will help. If you just started tracking your money and answering that question every single month, then you could have clarity over what the real challenges or problems are. But if you don't really know your money, you don't really know what the actual problem is. You could say it's an overspending problem, but is it really? And for Mm -hmm. a lot of people I work with, it's actually an under earning problem. Mm. That there's a lifestyle that they value and a lifestyle that they want and they're working hard to have, but that their earning hasn't caught up with their lifestyle. So we could easily point, pinpoint it as an overspending problem. What if it wasn't? Right. right? That's fascinating to me. I'm like, oh, I like that perspective. You're not overspending, you're under earning. You know, yes. because sometimes people get so stuck in the jobs that they're in, you know, or the stability and security of that when it really isn't serving them from a value of fulfillment perspective or from a money perspective. It's almost mm-hmm. like a false sense of stability and security. So I love that you brought that you. up, agreeing whether or not it's a overspending or an under earning. Yeah. yeah. You something you said a minute ago too that that kind of brought something up for me when you mentioned um you know, kind of dumping all those things out and saying, what is your beliefs? Like, I'm not good with money. I think it's important that people define even what does that mean? You know, we do these blanket statements that are so generalized. And if you don't know what that means, then how do you change it? So it can't just be, I'm not good with money. Okay. Well, what do you mean by that? Do you mean you spend too much at Starbucks? Do you mean you lose it in the laundry? Like what exactly does I'm not good with money mean in order to really flesh out what the situation is? That's right. And that's where a great coach comes into play, right? You, you, the, the same person that created the problem, AKA me, isn't yes. the same person that's going get to me, get me out of my problem, which is 100%. where great coaching comes into play. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. So I love this fresh perspective you've put on budgeting for people. I think it's, um, like I said, refreshing and will give people hope and optimism to start looking at their finances, Mm -hmm. creating this honest story or assessment around where they are right now. So for people who want to dig in a little bit more that know, you know, that want to know more about you or how you can help, what's the best place for them to find you? LisaChastain.com. Okay. And I have my stop budgeting system course is live right now. They could grab the course, grab the tools. And um, I guide them step by step how to start having the emotional conversation as well as start looking at their money in a fresh way. I love it. And when you think about your whole journey through this, as we were talking about earlier, it's usually the the journey you take in your story that creates such a transformation you want to share with others. What has that whole journey produced for you? In the end, what was, you know, Obviously, it's ongoing, but what's been the result? I remember as a little girl listening to Kelly Clarkson mm-hmm. and um, and Christina Aguilera and uh, Reba McIntyre even. Okay, so like Reba McIntyre's song, Is There Life Out There? Do you remember yes. that song? I love Reba McIntyre. Yep. I remember being yep. a little girl in my home asking those questions. Oh. Is there life out there? 
Uh When will my life on the outside look like the life that I have and feel like I want on the inside? Mm. And it wasn't until I embraced this new money journey and entrepreneur journey that I started living the life that I always dreamed of. Mm. It started with permission to be myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to be, I remember the pamphlet that I wrote about myself senior year in high school. And all I thought at that time was in my life for me was being a mother of four. But in my heart, there was so much more. Mm. So for me, unpacking and unlocking my own money journey has meant living a life that I authentically love. It's my life. And it's come with a lot of risk and a lot of upside and downside and changes. And I stand as a 43 year old woman today, living a life that I love in a marriage that I love in a home that I love working in a business that I love. And I had to have the courage to acknowledge the things that weren't working and the things that I didn't know to make that happen. I love it. I would say that is well worth the journey. I mean, that's ultimately what everybody wants. Right. And I stress to people all the time, the importance of authenticity of understanding what fills you up, that all of this starts with you is, you know, I I speak about all the time in my book, in the journal, it's like, you have to look inwards to figure out who you are, what's authentic to you, all of those pieces in order to start creating that path that you have. So I absolutely love that. One last question for you, Lisa. I always like to know it's all about sharing wisdom, obviously, and you've done that today, but what is the most impactful piece of wisdom that anyone has ever given you that has really resonated and stuck with you? Mm. I'll never forget the day I was driving. I was in a life coaching program at the time, getting my own Mm -hmm. life coaching. And I was talking Mm -hmm. to my coach and she asked me how much money I wanted to make that year. And at that point, Uh as a financial advisor, I wasn't making anything. Okay. So I told her $30,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she said, why would you ever limit yourself? (laughs) That altered the the way I had thought about myself, how much money was possible for me, why Mm -hmm. I was limiting myself. So don't limit yourself. Stop limiting yourself. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Beautifully said. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and giving people, like I said, a fresh perspective. Hopefully they will be jumping over to see you online and using some of those worksheets and tools so that you can, everyone listening can start making better money decisions and quit hiding from them and all without budgeting. So thanks so much, Lisa. It's been a pleasure having you with me. Thank you, Angie. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you found your dose of wisdom for the day. And remember, just don't take it in, live the wisdom and share the wisdom. If you like this episode, give us a like below and comment. Let me know what you think. If you want to be sure to catch all the episodes of Sharing Wisdom, hit that follow button. If you want more of Angie Wisdom, you can go to AngieWisdom.com and sign up for Words of Wisdom or follow me over on YouTube and Instagram at Angie Wisdom Life Coach. 